Hello everybody and welcome back to the Dungeon Masters Book Club. I am one half of your favourite podcasting presentation crew, who I think oh. get better and better each time, personally. I think so. yeah. And modestly, definitely. <laughs> My name is Ryan and I am joined here today by, who is it? It's Fiona. Oh, me? Oh my God. Come on down. I, I, I didn't recognize you at first. And then I realized it's the same every week. It's and that's same. what got it for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I've made it easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? You're right. I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm, great. I'm glad to be here talking about d and I've actually been reading a lot more stuff. I think thanks to this podcast, I've actually been doing stuff for improvisation. I've been, I, I've been doing something called the Artist Way, which sounds pretentious as fuck. I mean, it sounds like deep and and whimsical. What what have you got to do to the Artist's Way? So you, it's about unblocking your creativity through a twelve week course. Ah, <laughs> I see. Unblock your creativity tools. with a rigid training program. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is. It is. In, I will say this: it is incredibly spiritual. So oh. apparently, you know, my my gift comes from a higher power, and I should use my gift to get myself closer to divinity. But apparently, it doesn't have to be God. It's whatever I choose. But it's it is quite interesting to go. Oh, you mean God? <laughs> ah, but you see, I was going to make some sort of reference to it being a creative laxative, but now that doesn't work at all because I, mean, I don't think. It doesn't block. It just says once you've unblocked, the flow will come through you. It does say that. So I mean, we've all we've all had those sessions on the toilet that feel a bit like divinity, but honestly, that doesn't feel like where that's going. So (laughs) that's interesting. I've been reading a lot more. I must say, like just in random bits and pieces. I, you, you guys and 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 friends that we know, um, got me the Eberron book recently, which has been quite interesting to go through because that's very different and very Mm. like it's not very normal D and D, very high magic tech and uh mm. what would what, you call the, the the typical dwarves and, and elves and stuff it's like high fantasy isn't it like a it's the, yeah. the general it doesn't feel like that it feels a bit different which is mm. interesting i would say steampunk-esque perhaps but maybe that's yeah. the wrong term i don't know i like that that's really really cool but that's not what we're talking about today is nope. it <laughs> What are we talking about today, Fiona? Today, we are talking about possibly one of my favourite sort of, I say new races, it came out maybe a couple of years ago, but uh, Tortles, uh, which which feature quite heavily in what is known as the Tortle Pack. Oh, I'll say that again. It's... (laughs) It's, it's I like it. I, I think you got yourself across properly. That was brilliant. <laughs> but just in case, why don't you go for it a second? I'll go for it again. Um, so they feature in the Total Package, which is a D&D supplement, which is uh, sort of an addition to one of the more recent uh, adventure modules, uh, Tomb of Annihilation. Very good. Tomb of Annihilation obviously was a was a purchased book, but the total package I think is free for anyone to download, isn't it? So uh, you can donate money to receive it uh, either on I think it's DMs Guild or Drive for RPG, and the money goes to charity essentially. It's, they do a drive every year for something called Extra Life, and they do lots of streams and stuff. And this is sort of an addition thing to to just enhance the experience of everything you want to know about in Chult, which is where Tomb of Annihilation is set. Well, there we go. That's way more wholesome than clearly the evil soul that I had that just dives immediately on three. Like, oh, what? Donate what you want? Great. That's. <laughs> I mean, full transparency. I did send you the PDF, but I I pay for it, so it's fine. <laughs> well, there we go. You see, between us, we're we're one half of a normal person. Exactly. So, turtles. Tell me a bit about them. What have we got with these these magnificent fellows? So, turtles. Uh, interestingly, so. Obviously, in D&D, we think of humanoid races as sort of the basic sort of class ones, or certainly the free ones you can get in the uh, the free version of the rules. So you obviously have humans, you have elves, you have dwarves, and there's another one. I don't think Tiefling's are. So those, those are the sort of main three you would probably see, or they are sort of the more what's the word they are sort of more prolific i guess uh, races mm. that you will see in different worlds and then recently in the last couple of years certainly since i'm sure they've had it in previous editions and i know they do have it in pathfinder as well but more and more sort of customizable non-humanoid races have sort of come up so obviously you have like stuff like the tabaxi the aracocra tieflings obviously everyone knows, knows about tieflings yeah they're a bit more sort of devilish humanoids i would say and then Tortles, uh, sort of a, a latest addition, or one of the new, newer additions to it, obviously with the uh, release of the new, uh, was it the, the Odyssey to Theros book, there was a few more uh, Minotaurs and Satyrs and all that sort of thing. But Tortles, I find really, really interesting because 
to me, obviously, when you look at a, a turtle or a tortoise in general, they don't necessarily look like an adventurer. <laughs> <laughs> so to see like a, almost one that is six feet tall and has like what is described as they like, they love adventuring. And actually, as I was reading through it, what I find really interesting is that when you think of an RPG in general, when you're creating a backstory, when, if you're like playing Fable or Dragon Age or anything like that, you can sort of customize your backstory. Often what people tend to go to go for is like an orphan backstory. It's like, I have no parents. They were killed and it was dreadful. I will avenge them. So you don't have these sort of ties to it. And a lot of D&D... Lord strategy, I think. Exactly. Because so, then it means that you don't have any personal ties at the beginning or you have a vengeance quest to go on and turtles are interesting because they are born they they are solitary creatures for the first bit of their lives they hatch from eggs but there's no one there to protect them or look after them per se the the sort of parents watch over the eggs and then go and then the turtles sort of left to defend themselves for a good portion of their life and then because and then they'll have sort of a wanderlust thing where they want to go and invent to adventure to meet new people and they are quite social creatures but then when it comes to the end of their life about 50 years they will look to sort of settle down uh, mate and then the whole cycle uh, sort of repeats itself so it's like a very weird version of an edgelord per se which has a really nice humble beginning and i quite quite like that <laughs> yeah we were talking last time about how a lot of the stuff that wizards of the coast and D D put out is always more focused on the bad guys, the evil things. So when we were talking about dragons, evil dragons get a lot more attention than good dragons. And and that's the case throughout the whole thing. So I thought it was really nice to actually see a lot of backstory and a lot of stuff about what is undeniably a good race. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of of races in D&D are like, well, they may align to this or they may align to that. The totals definitely, these guys are pretty good. You know, unless you've really got yourself a, a proper edge lord, these guys are going to be generally lawful, generally good, generally lovely and sweet and slightly gullible, but love to adventure. And you're right, they 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 feel more animalistic than like a humanoid race per se. It, it does feel more like an animal has learnt to walk on two legs and actually grow a brain rather than sometimes when you look into D and D you see humans and then obviously right well it's like a cat human or a dog human or whatever. These guys they do seem really different. It mm. is quite quite interesting. Mm. And like the other thing as well, which is obviously a big thing with uh, turtles that they have natural armor. They have this big shell and it's basically that's all they ever need. They don't mind going into taverns and, and staying there and stuff, but they, they're very happy to have their own sort of camp and settlements and stuff like that but always keep moving they're not like tied to one place until it sort of comes to the end of their life which i thought was like that's really cool like again yeah. it's really ties into that sort of like they're ready to go on an adventure and nothing's holding them back it's just sort of inherent in their nature and yeah, they the- are like sort of little walking survival chambers <laughs> aren't they they can they can go wherever they want put up sort of home wherever they want yeah it's it's they really, they are very cool in that way. Yeah, they, I was just reading here like natural armor is a base of uh, AC seventeen, and then if, and then if they go into shell defense, which is obviously retreat into it, that's an extra uh, plus four, so twenty one, yeah. which is great. <laughs> it, it it is amazing. Like it, like the inner DM min maxer sort of mathematician in my head looks at that natural armor and thinks, oh my god, you could make some hilarious builds with that if you had somebody like a wizard turtle with the shield spell or if you had i'm thinking of we've got somebody in our campaign um sam's character blue who is a sword of valor sorry a school of swords bard yes mixed with a sorcerer yes so can use defensive flourishes and also shields like you could you could get ridiculous ac with a character like that it's 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 really interesting and specifically says you can't use dexterity mm. i would have thought when i was looking through these stats it, they're one of these races that has um and i've always seen this as a little bit of a like a bit of a letdown they've got the claws mm. which does a whopping 1d4 damage which you kind of yeah. makes it like well anything can, <laughs> and anyone can just have a knife do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> they just, just, just stra- strap the, uh, the daggers to their paws essentially at wolverine <laughs> like <laughs> exactly but they have a base walking speed of 30 feet which i yes. thought was quite high mm. and they don't have a swim speed which mm. I thought was really interesting as well. Yeah, no, I, I was about to mention about the, the, the walking speed, because I, I think 
I think when they originally, and I, I'm going to be corrected on this, I'm sure, when they originally came out, they had a, a much slower walking speed because obviously, like, well, it's just it's just a turtle or it's just a tortoise, which are historically or stereotypically slow. So instantly, I was like, wait, so their walking speed is not reduced? That's great. Like that that for me is like because I think that's that would be the thing. It's like, well, surely with lots of heavy armor and stuff, then they'll be a bit slower. And yeah, like you said, the the armor as well. Like that's not necessarily a disadvantage to stealth. <laughs> which yeah. is a hooray that's that is that's, a good point yeah come, no self-disadvantage but yeah no swim speed which is i guess it's just uh, just to make sure that they're not super overpowered i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing but they can hold their breath uh well there we go so. yeah, that i've never actually been in a campaign where holding the breath has been super important it's one of those things that you can you can overcome with a spell quite early level um if you're a druid or a wizard or something along those lines and it feels like one of those things where yeah i don't know i, th I think you can hold your breath for a few minutes in dnd can't you without taking damage so mm, yeah something to do with sure your you constitution could think of some, yeah yeah you could think of some way to bring that in i'm sure but they're, they're certainly interesting and, and I, I do think that the ac and and the sort of improvements they get anything with strength increased by two always leads to some interesting builds i think um they, they seem really interesting. Tell me a little bit more about the adventuring side of things. I mean, it, it, I was reading through it and, it, and it, this wanderlust that kicks in, like yeah. it, it gives a sort of a really strange and, and quite perfectly suited way to approach D&D, I think, isn't it? If you've got a character that just has this sense of adventure. Mm, yeah, and actually I think the whole sort of package as well, when I was reading through it the first couple of times, I was like, this actually makes a good sort of set so you've got people who would be playing tortles perhaps at the beginning of the venture like you know they've got enough to sort of get by but also this whole sort of their homeland essentially it's, it's called i'm gonna get this wrong it's called like the the snout of omar um it's this, right. this this whole island place which to me like it's and it's got a bit of everything this whole sort of uh, package it's got you know it's got a big temple adventure you can you can plop your players in for a bit you've got ahoy hoy which frankly is the best settlement name <laughs> I, <laughs> that's going in a campaign at some point because i just i ahoy love hoy. that <laughs> hoy hoy. you've got to say it a little bit camp there otherwise it doesn't work ahoy hoy. <laughs> <laughs> um and you've got the the mud pits of florb uh, which again is a, an interesting sort of mystery one, which we'll probably come back to. And then a little bit about the Yuanti, which obviously is uh, quite a big deal in Tomb of Annihilation. And another uh, humanoid race, um, I guess more deemed evil humanoid race. No, mm. uh, animalistic, sorry, race about, well, humanoid that turn into snakes. You can tell I've not read this properly. <laughs> I just kind of skimmed <laughs> through uh, that, those bits. But yeah, it's it's enough. I feel like you have enough in this sort of adventure that you can have people who, who are interested in playing tortles maybe like a group of adventurers or even if um for whatever reason you are in an adventure or a campaign where they're either the start or in the middle you're on your way somewhere you get shipwrecked and you lose someone in a big fight or whatever you could just pop up in a hoy hoy and the new adventurer is there ready to go off on the next adventure and it just so happens to be a tortle so it's, it's a, a, like lots of little things i just thought like oh this is quite cool. Like it's just coming in a very neat package, which is detailed enough, but quite vague in some areas as well. So yeah, yeah. No, it, it, the actual the, the package is it's interesting because I was reading through. Obviously, it starts with the stats of the character, I and mean, you've also got all these places and a little bit of lore. This this feels very much like um uh, like a little one shot. I, mm -hmm. I guess you, something to put into a campaign. It's not a fleshed out adventure. No. I think you'd struggle to, to run a campaign off this, but it, it definitely is enough information for you to, as you, yeah, as you say, just to put this settlement into a wider campaign and suddenly everything sort of gets put in. It's also quite low level as well. Mm -hmm. So quite good for people to get into at a lower level, which yeah, definitely helps. Yeah, I feel like so the, the main part of the, the package uh, revolves around this sort of temple, the Typhoon Temple. And there's a bit of history about there was a, a shipwreck uh, with a cleric of, is it Umberly? Uh, some sort of horrible sea goddess. And for whatever reason, Tortles are like, this sounds really good. We'll build a <laughs> temple to her. <laughs> um, and the, the, it's fallen to ruin and Tortles have not been there. So obviously like, oh, well, possibilities for treasure and adventure and the whole sort of, uh, adventure i think it's aimed at sort of level four maybe five or six and actually yeah. it's an 
uh, reading through it, it's very easy enough. For, I think it's one of those ones, because I, as you know, I am one of those people that likes reading through Adventures Square. Ah, oh, good. I know what's two rooms ahead. I don't have to suddenly just go, you know, and I can look back to it and I go, well, if they fail, they fail. If they if they get it, they get it, you know. Whereas yeah. this this thing, I, I think it's like, it's it's big enough for at least a good group of people, so maybe four or five people to go through and try some stuff out. And it's good for like an, maybe someone who's not so confident in GMing and, and it's like they're maybe not my first temple, that seems a bit uh, immature or childish, but like I think it's a good one to start off and just see how it runs and stuff before maybe going on to write your own uh, temple or dungeon sort of uh, plans or continue on into a bigger story perhaps, maybe a good starting point I thought. Yeah, it is a good replacement starting adventure, I think. Um, the, the, the default is the Lost Minds of Philandra. I, I can never remember how you, you pronounce Vandelva. <laughs> that sounds about right. That, yeah. I, yeah, I think you're right. This, this does come across as a really, really good like place to start a campaign. Mm-hmm. And like any really good module not only does it have a random encounter sheet but it's also got a random encounter sheet that is also then explained mm-hmm. which is one of the pet hates i have of a lot of yes. bits in the you know the dm the dungeon master's guide and and volos and all you know all of these um, i'm looking for it xanathar's guide uh, with these you know random encounter charts often you see something and it's like ah oh, this thing and you go what I don't understand how this is possible. Like I've and, never and, heard of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no situation in which that would actually happen. Whereas this actually gives a really good expl- explanation of, oh, you found some giant lizards. This is what is happening. Mm-hmm. Like this is what they would be doing. And if you are here, they're doing this. If you're not there, then they're doing this. Blah blah. Which mm-hmm. I think is quite. It's quite interesting. Yeah, um, and I think the like obviously there's. It is very f- heavily featured. So again, if you're not familiar with Tomb of uh, Tomb of Horrors, no. If, if you're not <laughs> very similar, I know Tomb of Annihilation. Um, obviously, it's set uh, around Chult, which has a very sort of like jungle, uh, lost cities sort of theme. You know, going into these dungeons. So, so a lot of the encounters you'll experience will be in rainforests and jungles, uh, with the odd dinosaur or two. And so there's actually some really interesting encounters in this. I like picked up. There's like obviously some flail snails, uh, geonids, which essentially are like geodudes. Uh, when I was looking <laughs> at the image. Um, Various dinosaurs. Um, the the really cute one, the Al my oh god Al Miraja. I don't know. It's the rabbit with it's a rabbit with a horn on it, like a unicorn, yeah. and it looks it looks super bloody cute. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. So let's let's paint the the picture of this island then, and and what this sort of little module gives you. So we talked about the turtles and their settlement on a hoi hoi, but the snouts of Omgar. And again, Omgar, pronounce that as you want. The snout of Ongar. This thing, I mean, I'm looking at the map. It's probably give it about 50 miles high by about 30 miles long. So it's a pretty big mile. Like, I mean, if you if you are aware of British Isles, it's about 10 of Jersey or Guernsey. Ooh. If that gives you any reference, I do. Yeah, I, I, don't I know. again, size is not my thing. It's like, oh yeah, I, I get that now. Yeah. <laughs> And we've got a few things that we've, we've sort of mentioned. So the mud pits are one of these little places on the island, which is mm. sort of more of a little offshoot adventure, isn't it? With um, mm. a little methret yes. that lives there, which I thought was one of the coolest characters in this little module. He's yeah. this little mud methret that lives in the mud. Um, I just thought it was a little, an interesting little like offside side thing to do. Yeah. And it's, it's like, again, it's that sort of thing where you can offer to help or not because nothing will i guess it's one of those things it doesn't necessarily have a consequence because quite a lot of the times when we do D, there's always like oh well now you have to make a choice and it's time bound because if you don't do it make a choice the bad thing will happen whereas this what what it is you get to and the methods explains like i just want to go home and i don't know how to get home and you just have to work out how to help that person but obviously if you can't help they don't go home but they don't leave so that's okay well, that's the thing. And this is weirdly, when I was reading through this a little bit, I found it a little bit like in a DM's point of view, you could see this being easily missed by a party because yes. the check to reveal that the method of this, this flawed creature, um, something's troubling him and, and you need to help him is really low. Like a DC wisdom check of 10 um, on an insight is, I mean, even for low level characters, I mean, if there's a couple of clerics or anyone mm. with a wisdom sort of bonus, you probably at least a plus four or plus five on that check, you would imagine. And 
so, I mean, so you're expecting that to be done. But then it also says that Forbes doesn't want to know what's, uh, people to go what's, what's going on and reveals the cause of its anxiety only if magically compelled to do so. Yes. It kind of leaves that decision with the DM, though, as mm-hmm. to whether or not you tell the party that there is magical compulsion mm. needed and especially if the party don't do that i could i could see this whole thing being missed quite easily it, it does feel a bit mean as well so it's like i think it's quite a nice thing like obviously you want to help it and mephites i mean i'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong i can't remember if they're supposed to be like oh they're definitely evil this one is appearing to be good and maybe that's why you didn't decide check this particular one because it's like well why does it want us to go into the mud pits it seems really weird but it's not doing it for any malicious reasons. So then to suddenly be like, right, we're going to zone of truth it. I always feel like zone of truth is a very much like, ah, zone of truth, you must tell me the truth right now. It's like, oh, okay. Got yeah. the zealot, got the zealots uh, here with us today. <laughs> <laughs> What's the real price of this thing? You know, it's a bit yeah. like... Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think methods are quite neutral, aren't they? They're sort of I elemental so. creatures, but... Yeah, no, I, I, but, but it was interesting. You've got a mud pit which gives temporary health. There's a there's a there's an entrance to the elemental plane of Earth. They just chuck that in there. That's a <laughs> definite <laughs> like. I mean, could you imagine three level like four level three characters stumbling across a plane, you know, a, a portal to the elemental plane of Earth, and going through it without realizing what's going to happen? Especially if you're using this as a level one or like a first entry point in D and D. Oh, there's a portal. Let's go through. No. No, 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 no! Don't do that. <laughs> but also, but also, I think it's one of those things. So, in a different uh, RPG, I ran, I ran a, a game called of, of Labyrinth, which I know you've not seen, so don't worry about it. But essentially, there's a there's a bit in it where I the players had a choice to go through either three pools, and once they get went into it, the reality changed slightly, and so they went into a reality when it was just really, really hot, uh, and the other two pools had disappeared, just this one. And instead of doing what I thought they were doing, going, oh, let's let's go back and see if we can get back the other way, they're like. Well, this is fine now and then continued the rest of the, the the adventure being really really hot and sweaty it didn't really affect most things but i had to keep mentioning that by the way the sun is really red <laughs> and it's just because they, they hadn't thought to be like well we can't go back it's like you've not tried so that that's the thing i think it's another thing which people would miss you go oh god we are now trapped here how do we get you know because i think in that panic you would forget to maybe check if you could go back yeah it's amazing what you can miss in, in the panic of the moment doesn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> For once, I actually wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously with the Typhoon Palace. Now this mm. struck me as, as being possibly the most, the largest piece of content in this particular module. So give me a little bit of the background as to this place. So we, you were talking about a shipwreck from before. I think that's mm. kind of where it starts, isn't it? So there was a, a ship which I've got down here called the Bitch Queen, which again, is a, thing, name. It's, a, it's a great name for a ship, uh, which essentially was a floating temple to the sea goddess Umberly. And the, there was a big shipwreck just off the, the coast, and the turtles went and saved the crew, which was captained by a cleric of Umberly. There's never, never named, which I'm always like, oh, that's a shame. You should, you should always name you know, big people like that. Um, the captain uh, then told the turtles about Umberly in a bit of a more flat, flattering, right? You know, essentially cult style, like, hey, she was really cool. Don't worry about things. And they were like, well, you know, we want to make you comfortable on our island. We'll just build you a temple so you can worship in peace. And that's where they sort of were, the crew and this cleric went for uh, a long time. And then slowly but surely, the turtles that uh, built this temple died died off for natural causes not for any malicious reasons no, no, <laughs> um, age. and one by one obviously the uh, the other people sort of died from old age or other mysterious means which we'll get to and it was just fell into ruin and since then it's been used as sort of almost like a haunted house area so like turtles will go but then be frightened away by the noises and stuff like that so only a team <laughs> of really you know brave adventurers can possibly go and you know suss it out and I think that's the thing for me is that in this adventure there there's not there's not really any weird noises and stuff unless you go in very deep but I think it's just maybe it's just the the way to entice people to go and have a look rather than yeah. like keep I think it's a out. party interested and abandoned and weird noises those are two things that will get people's attention pretty heavily I think. read us really well i think <laughs> <laughs> definitely and and the thing that i quite like about this particular dungeon is that there's no world ending cataclysm at the end of it it yeah. is sort of like an abandoned area that probably should be fleshed out and has some interesting stuff and it does have a treasure room 
mm-hmm. which is, you know, important and a very, very deadly trap. Just so deadly. Of... <laughs> I oh. mean, welcome to D&D. Here is your first adventure. I'm going to spring this, this, what how would you describe it? Like a sort of boulder I, trap. I think, yeah, it's essentially like, it's just two, like you go through a passageway and then two, the two walls just come together and squish you. But essentially, like, you either make the deck save and you take half damage, or you don't. But it's an incredibly high full damage. I think it's like something like 50 points or something like that. So It's a deadly trap yeah. for anyone apart from, I would say, probably a high-con barbarian raging at the time. Yes. Like, that's, that's going to... It literally is, unless you make that, that save, that's pretty much an instant death, especially because... And again, it's one of these ones, a bit like a disintegration or a cone of coal. The creature reduced to zero hit points by this damage is crushed to a pulp. Lovely. That's really, really good. And the DC 13 deck save is not like an easy one to avoid as no. well. Like at, at third level, I mean, a deck save for most characters is going to be in the between the plus one to plus three mm-hmm. category. So, I mean, that's tough. It's, that's it is really tough. tough. I mean, it's, it is trying to prevent people from coming into the treasure room. So, I mean, it's, it's that sort of thing where you like have to balance, are you going to be that person that keeps people out? Or, oh, it's been a couple of years, I'm sure they can get in. I think, I think that's the way, way of playing it. But I agree, sometimes I can imagine being, I can imagine me being very unlucky in this one and going, shit, and then squished <laughs> and dead. I t- I'll tell you what my favourite room is, though, is right at the beginning, is the crab pool. You the see crab that? pool. All right. I don't know how this works, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to read it out. Like, it just feels like one of those things where I, it can only end in tears, I feel. Um, <laughs> where are we? Room nine on the particular sheet. So, so it, it, yeah. it starts with a bit of a description with just what you read your players. Actually, this module is very good for giving a lot of description as to what you see when you arrive in an area. And it describes a plastered walls of a dark room that are slick with moisture and basically talks about a crab statue yes and lots of little crabs running around a, a pool of water effectively yeah and and then it says uh, where is it you know detect magic reveals there is an aura of some kind of magic the transmutation stuff an identified spell can attain the following so if you speak a prayer to unbeli whilst tossing 10 gold coins or more into a pool you gain the ability to breathe water for 24 hours which is great but then any creature that damages the basin must succeed on a constitution same throw or be transformed into a crab for 24 hours <laughs> you're like how are, you, how are you supposed to know that <laughs> but then and then sorry i missed the big point is that if a creature bathes in the pool a dozen crabs scuttle out of holes in the giant uh, stone crab sculpture to clean the bather. <laughs> First of all, I, the thing is, that I say, who would go and bathe in a crab pool? And I'm like, oh no, that would probably be me. If, I, <laughs> if it was described in such a way, but I just feel because it's a ruin. I, I don't know, even, even the most... I don't know. Now I'm second guessing myself. Even the most so you intelligent. Have you never people. been one of those people that's gone to a shopping mall and found one of those tanks of like ET feet fish? Ooh, no. You can stick your feet in and have them nibble on between your toenails and and all the dead skin at the bottom of your feet. Nothing mm-hmm. like that. Not no, that that. Well, I'm very ticklish, so no. Because I I the one time I went to go get my my toenails painted, I almost kicked the lady by accident because it was it was a horrible <laughs> experience. So no. So, <laughs> as long as the crabs don't clean your feet, is what you're saying. It should be. Fine. oh totally but but yeah. also being surrounded by suddenly a lot of crabs i think that's the whole point is that obviously if you go in and i don't know i don't it says if you go into bathe so i don't i can imagine adventurers going into the basin but not necessarily sitting down in the water you know maybe i don't know it's just one of those things where i can imagine it's you you know suddenly going ah oh, crabs and then trying to hit the crabs and hurt the basin in some way and then be transformed into a crab yeah it's, i don't know it, it, it's a really cool idea but i don't i don't know if it works so <laughs> yeah exactly and but, but it, it is quite a fun set of little magical effects that you yeah. can use just to give uh, a party a little bit of enjoyment and actually that is something that not a lot of dms if they're doing their own content certainly I'm, I'm sometimes forget to do this is having things that aren't necessarily bad or, or a problem just things that are things for the sake of being things people mm-hmm. really enjoy that sort of stuff and it's amazing how people i bet you if you played this the party would find some way in order to use this particular fountain as like or this particular pool as as a way of getting through like some sort of ingenious way of like we're going to use it as a trap i'm going to get the enemy to Mm -hmm. hit the pool when they're attacking me or something similar to that like 
I bet they'd do something like that. Yeah. I, it's also, it's not the only thing as well. The, so the one that got me was the throne room. Yeah. So whilst you're in there, there's, there's just, there is a throne that sits in the room and it, there are shadows and mimics. There is a mimic in this campaign. I love that. That was yeah. brilliant. For <laughs> um, this throne, just lets you control the weather as long as you're sitting yeah. in it. It's like, great. And then you can transform into a seagull. Yep. <laughs> Why not? But yeah, and the, like the fact this throne room is again very uh, the whole thing of Umberly is like a sea goddess. So there's stuff about tentacles everywhere. So again, f- going back to the Mind Flayer episode, obviously I'm like, ooh, tentacles, call a Cthulhu, the old thing. So I'm like, yes, tick, 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 That's tick. That's the thing tick. about D and D. There's two types of tentacles. There's Cthulhu tentacles, and then there's actual normal tentacles, which are forever tainted by the Cthulhu tentacles. That's the problem. <laughs> Hey, tainted sounds like you think it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but clearly, so you've got the Cthulhu tentacles, which are the good ones, and then mm-hmm. the other boring tentacles, which oh, yeah. are, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you said boring enough. tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's lots of different bits to, to keep the party busy. I mean, it's one of those things where uh, there are more encounters in here than you think. Little, little one-off encounters of, like, elementals that appear and shadows that that guard rooms and, and little bits and pieces so there's, mm. there's plenty to get your teeth into and, and, and a treasure room which is an important thing but uh, then you, that's not the last thing is it there's one no. other thing you can find afterwards yeah so there there is uh, a little bit further along there is a cage uh which is haunted and at some point where you go and first of all you have to think it's you've got to Oh yeah, there's a, a large rug of smothering, which is my favourite thing in a campaign. Yeah. Is that you always get you get them with a rug of smothering. They're like, it must be a mimic. No, it's a rug. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, as once you've defeated that, if you go up to the cage and touch it in some way, a merfolk ghost appears and then tries to possess whoever it is, because they're sort of they were tortured and killed, as so many people were in this sort of this room, this this place, uh, is as a tribute to Umberly. And they believe that, well, they know that their unfinished business is to find their torturer, which is conveniently very close by, which, yeah. <laughs> which should warn people, I think, uh, what's about to come. So eventually you go through, like, you go from the temple into sort of the caves. There is a part in the adventure that just says blowholes, which, again, made me laugh for a, li- a bit too long than yeah. I meant to be. In the blowholes. In the blowholes. Um, oh, there's the other encounter with, a, uh, oh, so I'm going to get it wrong. Is it, is it a Zorn? Uh, Zorn, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it sounds right. I'll I'll let you off for that one. Oh, thank you. But Zorn's also, I think, one of my favourite creatures as well. You either feed them money or they fight you. And you could just throw money at it. It goes, oh, thank you. And then goes away. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the capitalists of the D&D world. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really good description of them. I like that. Um, (laughs) And then you get to sort of the the shrine of Umberly, which again is huge, huge statue of a sea monster or a kraken, and you're like, oh, it's gonna, oh, you're gonna fight a kraken? No, you're gonna fight a nine foot slug, which just so happens to be the cleric from all that time before who did something to misplease Umberly in some way, and so she has now been transformed to this horrific creature. And you, uh, it's a Karen crawler to use the stats for it, and yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's really, uh, that's really cool that you have to now fight the actual person that was was there i do feel slug is a bit of a i feel feel a little bit of a a one down i thought maybe just be tainted in some way maybe elevated perhaps no no this is proper godlike cursing yeah you are now a slug (laughs) forever and obviously if you if you kill the slug um the the ghost is laid to rest which i think is a a nice sort of thing the the other thing to note in this sort of room there is her holy symbol the cleric one uh, and you find holy symbols of unbelief sort of ev- every fucking where it seems to be because they're very useful. It's how you get past the big trap if you have a holy symbol of unbelief. Her holy symbol fills a person with dread. And I'm like, yep. oh. I, As you do. That's, I don't think I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I wear a necklace that makes me feel full of dread? But, but again, yeah, so it sort of ends like that. Like you, you, you obviously fight um, what was the former cleric. And I think there's some other creatures in there as well, uh, just to sort of, and then once that's done, the ghost's release and you're, that's kind of it. You're free to have a look at the scrying pool that's there. Uh, there's some keys and stuff. And just basically get the treasure. Essentially, I think that's that's sort of the the was it the the final boss room. Essentially, it is. I mean, the, for me, I just can't get over the fact the giant slug can cast guiding bolts and spiritual weapon. 
I mean, that's not a slug that I know. That's not a slug I want to step on <laughs> on a path in a forest late oh, at night. When could you, you imagine? Know, just, it's just been raining. They were coming across the path. You're like, oh, I don't want to step on you. And guiding bolt. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go there. But I think it's, it is good fun. It, it describes it as, as level threes may need a couple of days to, to go through it all. And then anything above level four can probably do it in one adventuring day. And I think that's probably not, it's not far off. There's mm. lots of places to rest. There's no, there's no time pressure, which I guess is the main reason that you would normally be rushing through yeah. something. There's no random encounters per se in the temple itself, which I think is also no. quite helpful. No, and conveniently, none of the creatures in each of the rooms are going to be startled and then run through to other rooms. <laughs> Whenever you get these modulized encounters like this one, where it's like, here's a map and everything's segmented into like, here's area one, area two, area three. The ones that I can never get my head around are when it's like, you're in area 12. If you do this and this person hasn't left oh. this area and this person hasn't left that area, they will come from this area through to this area and you're reading it and going, I'm sorry, what the hell is going on? Absolutely. This doesn't make any sense. That, that this one seems to be quite compartmentalized. Like yeah. it is little bits. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Sometimes I, I'll look at some modules, like certainly to one of the early ones I used to run was uh, the Sunless Citadel, which is essentially, it's just two layers of a dungeon, but there are so many rooms. And again, like you said, like if you alert the guards in one room, they run through and then guards in areas seven, eight, nine, We'll come and join them and you're like oh god that's a it's a lot to prep whereas this obviously it's all it's mostly one level there's obviously a few bits and pieces mm. depending on the caves um but i think the other thing as well is that if you're worried as a new gm what i would do like if you read this through and you're worried you're going to forget a room just highlight the more important rooms that they have to hit and as long as you include those like you say oh and you you miss out on the map because that's the other thing normally players will draw a map if you're describing stuff you you, may, you might not be able to share the map with them because you don't want to keep stuff as a surprise but if you miss out a room it's not the end of the world they just might miss uh, some cool treasure or or an encounter and you shouldn't let that worry you so i think that's my thing is that if you find it a bit overwhelming even this one uh, just take out a couple of the rooms uh, the non, non-essential rooms essentially yeah that's but easy keep, enough to do actually but keep the crab room because you want you want you want to see how if that On plays pain out pain of death <laughs> Just thinking more about the snout, the snout of Omgar again. Mm-hmm. Any other sort of favorite parts that, that struck you? I mean, I'm just thinking about what else it's got. It's got cave systems. It's got Yuntai, which uh, mm. has a demi-plane to some snake god, which you don't want to go anywhere near. Um, it, it sounds like a dangerous plane to go to. Um, I think, I think to me, it's like I said before, it's it's got stuff in there, sort of like the the quick sort of hooks for people. Um, and you, you could fill it in with your other thing. So you could put in another similar sentence to Ahoy Ahoy if you're thinking, or they're, they're getting a bit too far away from civilization and they're looking really, really hurt. Um, I think the thing for me, just going back to it, the um, random encounters in general. So, and I'm sure you, obviously you do this for our campaign. I've, I've had different thoughts about random encounters because to me, I know what you do, right? Is that you tend to roll them in advance and then if we so happen to fail a certain check, you're like, okay, so this is now what happens. I don't know if it really says that in this book. It just says, it just says, here they are. And then it, I, it, for me, it's always implied that you roll then and there. And that just seems a lot of hassle straight away. And I know some DMs yeah. actually don't bother with it at all. Like they just say, you just, or they'll just plan the encounter and you, whether you pass the check or not, you will encounter it in some way. Yeah, th- this one describes it as three checks a day, so like a morning, afternoon, and night one, and I think it's over 18 on a d20, something happens. Mm-hmm. You can do it like that, and there's no harm in, in going through it um, on the spur of the moment as you're doing it. I think the best time when that's, that's most needed is when the party are improvising, or if, to use the best phrase that I can think of, are totally going off the rails of what you've organised, which sometimes happens in you know, any sessions, even even in like a, in a example like this, if you know you've, you're starting in a hoi hoi and you've got this adventure where they're going to go up to the Typhoon Palace, you know the first thing they're going to do is make their way through the forests to the mud pits of Florb. That's immediately where they're going to go and ignore everything you've prepared. So <laughs> random encounters are good to improvise on that level. And I think if you're a DM that thrives on making stuff up on the spur of the moment and, and improvising and, and really playing along with the characters mm. some people think that's actually how dms in effect play as well is is by giving random things and having to deal with them in the spur of a moment 
that's quite good. But if you know that there's a there's a definite like thing that's going to happen, so like on our on our campaign, if I know you're you're traveling somewhere and you will be traveling for a certain amount of days, mm-hmm. then I'll at least prepared the encounters that are the bare minimum that you're going to have to find unless right. you do something that again takes you off the rails. Um, mm-hmm. So there's I think there's probably a halfway medium of what works for you. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing I quite liked about this was was in High Horn, you've got all of these mm. sunken ships of which. Most of them, if not all of them, have been plucked pretty much clean by the turtle over various sort of occasions. But I think the honourable shout-out has to be to the random suggestion that one of these um, merchant vessels seems to have the cor- the mummified or, or, or like preserved corpse yeah. of an archmage who wanted to be a lich but didn't do it. Like, that's horrifying. Yeah, on, <laughs> on the sea mare, right? That's, that's that one. I believe yeah. so. And... Yeah, there's references to Orcus, who's obviously we've talked... Well, we didn't really talk about that much, but is obviously part of the... Oh, devils. Yes. Devil. No. <laughs> no! Oh, no! Demon. Ah! Demon Fiona, I'm, honestly. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that bloody... Yeah, the demon Lord of the Death. I mean, God. My bad. So <laughs> that's... Oh, so well, then that makes a lot more sense. So Demon Lord of the Death, so the, cap, the captain pledged her soul to, to this demon and there's now a white that guards the cargo so you're like oh gotta deal with that but again it's that sort of thing it's like would that ever come up in conversation <laughs> you're more likely to fight the white rather than hear the backstory of like i have been here orcus you have saved me etc yeah i mean at least for from a dm's point of view orcus is so evil that generally speaking most people serving him will be pretty evil um so yeah but but yeah a dc 28 strength check to to unlock it yeah the sarcophagus i think even your yeah. your barbarian would struggle with that and you've got a giant belt of strength I'd, i mean I'd, yeah i'd have to i'd have to definitely be raging and then possibly use luck and yeah because it's underwater as well so it's just yeah. got all these things yeah it's 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 a tricky one i think but also yeah it's like one of those things where it's like i guess it, it is just a, a story hook but it doesn't really say i don't know for me with sort of things like this is great but then Maybe because I, I I don't tend to work like this. I usually have self-contained stories. But if they did go to these ships, I'd be like, right, what next? They fa- they somehow found this uh, this corpse with the scroll. Then what? They might just forget about it. And go, okay, well that was a dead end. Fine. But I I would I think the storyteller in me would be like, but you need to make a connection. Maybe do you know who Orcus is? Is it and is it related to the bigger story? That's if you're doing one. So I don't know. I I feel like some of it. It would, I don't know, I feel like some of these things obviously are there as sort of story hooks that you could expand upon, but for me, I'm like, I don't know where I'd go with that. It just, yeah. it just feels like a throwaway um, detail that you, I mean, with all these things, you could always just change it to something else. Um, it doesn't have to have that big a, bit of a backstory. I just feel Orcus is such a, one of those like sort of um, name dropping things. You're like, by the way, Orcus was here. And you're like, oh. And like, for me, I'd be like, oh. Sorry? What yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I just I like I like a sunken ship to me that's mm. always it's always good fun it's very sea of thieves really isn't it oh yeah definitely very definitely. very yeah I love I love that and I think the Chalton and and this sort of area of, of the D&D world I do like that sort of high seas jungle mm-hmm. warm Caribbean-esque sort of uh mm. with dinosaurs which I think is always a good thing <laughs> make it better <laughs> add a dinosaur well exactly. and that, that quickly just l- l- runs me back onto so the in uh Tomb of Annihilation some of the guides that help you through the jun- jungle are turtles and in it in this supplement it gives you three examples of different NPCs or minor characters who are turtles one of them does have a dinosaur yep <laughs> and you're like okay bring that along I guess for the ride but what's what's nice is that I think it, it's a good starting point if you weren't sure about like if you wanted a guide certainly through you'd think that maybe the adventurers would hire someone if they could rather than just flesh it out themselves if or certainly if they've struggled with encounters like maybe we need someone just to show us the way a little bit more you don't have to use the ones necessarily in the guide but it gives you ideas like okay so turtles obviously they like the they don't like going underground they like to be in places where they can see the sun or the moon or both that's like Mm. their ideal um you can have grumpy ones you can have uh ones that have you know dinosaurs or or a bit naive perhaps but they're but like like we said before they're mostly good and that's what i quite like is that these they're not going to try and trick you or lead you places they may be scared they may be a bit cowardly they may be you know sarcastic and grumpy but ultimately they are good of heart which again goes back to like oh turtles are just really nice they Uh, are 
They're really, really sweet. Is there anything about this module that you didn't like? Anything that sticks with you that, that just was out of place or could be improved or maybe you change if you were running this yourself? Uh, see, I see, again, I thought about this long and hard. I guess, like I said, the only thing maybe I would change is... I don't know. So the, the the thing it says about the random encounters, sorry to go back to that, but they, it talks about like, by the way, these random encounters, they're not aimed at a particular level. They, the, the characters can have a choice to run and hide or use the creatures as a distraction, which I thought was quite a good idea. But I feel like knowing the kind of adventurers I've, I've played and ha- have DM'd for, um, they tend, or hearing stories recently, people just tend to fight because I think this is this is what what we need to do. We need to fight these creatures. And I I don't know. I just I just feel like maybe maybe I would pr- like like we were saying before, like predetermine the first couple of encounters, regardless of the roles. Like if I knew they were going to do s- at least two encounters on the way to say the temple, I would probably pick them. Maybe one being more of a social encounter, and one being more uh, a more difficult high level one, depending on on certain things, rather than role. Yeah. For- but that, that I think that's just me per se. But otherwise, I kind of. I thought I thought it was decent enough, but again, maybe it's just me. It's like because I I quite like just the vague, uh, detailed, but also vague, so you can do your own things. But, I mean, what about you? I, I I always struggle with the sort of one-off aspect of it. I think I would I would be trying to in some way connect it to a wider world or to have some sort of bigger reason why adventurers would be here mm. in the first place. I mean, one of the sort of entries to the island was was given as oh there's a shipwreck and it's sort of like okay that's fine but that's that's a bit of the derailing thing if you were in a long campaign you're like oh you're on this trip oh no your ship is here like Mm -hmm. shipwrecked and now there's a five session tangent where we go off and do this sort of thing i think that's one thing i always have to try and work off Mm -hmm. um and i have a particular hatred of flail snails i'm putting it out there why they're great monster (laughs) What? Oh no! I no. think they're brill. No, no. <laughs> they, re- they remind me of again. I can't remember the ugly Pokemon, but they remind me of the ugly Pokemon, like the, the one that with fire and stuff. That's how I see them. With oh, fire. No. I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I'm old gonna have to... or new? Oh, I think it's old. I'm gonna Google it very quickly. Uh, but why don't you like flail snails? Because they're stupid. That's why I don't like them. It's just a gut instinct that tells me they're stupid. <laughs> I I am I'm shocked. I'm intrigued to see if people would be agreeing or not agreeing. But I strongly suspect I'm not on the, you know, the big opinion of that one, the 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 winning side of that. But there we go. Mag well, Mag Cargo, it's called. Mag Cargo. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna paste paste it in the chat so you can see it. Hang on. I oh. don't even know what a Mag Cargo is. I I I. There you go. That Pokemon. That's how I see them. Oh my god, that's horrific. What's wrong with it? It's great. It's it's it is happy. I'll give you that. It's it's got a little smile on its face. I mean, it looks like it's drooling its own face, which is not a good thing. But you know, it's got. I quite like that. Fire and rock. That's a cool type. That means. I mean, already. I'm. That's immediately telling me don't bring a water type Pokemon to that fight. That's not going to go well. It's not going. It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the module and and turtles. I I really like that. It was, it was a nice little a, a turn from some of the more dangerous topics we've been dealing with recently. I quite like that. Good. So, well, what what's next then, Ryan? What's what's next on the agenda? Well, you know me. I I I, I look at all of this low level friendly stuff and I oh, say, no. ah, <laughs> tough. This is not what I like. We've skirted around a little bit in the last few sessions that that we've been doing in terms of big scary wars and planes of existence that are evil and dragons which are horrible and tough and it got me thinking how do you go about doing high high level combat as a dm so we're talking level 20 to epic level combat Okay. So epic level, there, there are rules, and we, we'll, we're going to skirt off the epic rules very quickly, like next time, as, as to what you can do above level 20. Oh, it's wow. not a full podcast, that bit, but it's, it's interesting to go off. Wow. And we're going to be doing three little case studies of monsters that you oh would only God. ever fight if you are max level or there or thereabouts. We're going to have a look at the Astral Dreadnought. Oh my God. Horrific <laughs> oh, flying no. creature from Mordekainen's Tone of Foes. Uh, that lives in the astral plane and no doubt has 
some fun with the GIF. We're going to have a look at Zariel, who we mentioned before oh, in yes. the uh, ascent, um, Descent into Avernus, but she's also in Mordekainen's Tone too. of Foes, mm -hmm. and is a horrifically, I think, challenge racing 26 uh, archdevil. So <sighs> it's really, really interesting in terms of spellcasting and flying enemies. And then, of course, last but not least, we couldn't, if we didn't, go for the oh, no. highest level creature that Oh, always no. is in D and D no. the Tarask. No, <laughs> so we're going to no. have a look at him as well. And how is DM? You'd fight with any one of these three creatures in a campaign because how? these things are in the same campaign. <laughs> <laughs> because these are tough. These are difficult, and and mm. getting your head around how to use them can be quite tricky. So I thought it might be fun. Well, Ryan, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, any shows you are on? Any Discord? Any YouTube channels, etc. Sure. Well, I'm on this fantastic podcast that goes through uh, Dungeons and Dragons chapters. Apart uh, from this one. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I, I'm on YouTube. You can find me as Ursa Ryan. I play lots of games. You can also find me on TBA Mondays, a lovely D&D &D YouTube series. Um, and you can often find me every now and then as a guest on what am I rolling podcast, which I'm what? sure you're going to mention now. I think I might. Uh, so yes, I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, which is a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast. Um, we do RPGs that aren't necessarily D&D &D and definitely uh, more gained for friendly and oh, nice stuff that's happening. Uh, the next episode that's going to go out is one called Mouse Guard. We play mice. And it's very, very cute. Um, but combat is a nightmare. So enjoy that one when that <laughs> comes out. combat in the mouse guard? Oh, Surely I'll have to show you fighting afterwards. for cheese. Oh, no. Oh, mate. That's not the first rule of mouse guard is that it's called guard mice. That's, that's your title, not mouse guard. So you're constantly getting those back, back and forth mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, we will see you all next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. wrong with flail snails ryan like <laughs> they're great they're, they're ridiculous they're rubbish i can't be dealing with them <laughs>